0: All right, welcome to the Our Experience podcast, an ASCP podcast. I'm Chad Wurz, CEO of ASCP, joined by my partner, Tom Hansel. And uh, we're going to do another topic, uh, a segment that we call Rage Against the Machine, talking about some of the processes and procedures in long-term care pharmacy. And this is particularly an interesting one because we're going to be talking about ways to improve revenue, which I think everybody that works on the business side of long-term care pharmacy is interested in revenue and profit. Uh, so we're going to kick it off and talk about short cycle dispensing and I'll turn it over to Tom.
1: No, thanks, Chad. I, this is kind of a topic that's near and dear to, to my heart because I started doing this several years ago and I also was resistant to short cycle and, and it was a change. You know, you grow up doing pharmacy a certain way and you master that way and had a lot of success doing it a certain way and then all of a sudden there was a required change or or forced change.
0: It's funny to think about it because like, to your point, people started probably, you know, way back at a a 30 day supply kind of routine. I'm sure before even the dawning of managed care, you probably got more than that. You got whatever the doctor ordered from a prescription standpoint. Uh, But then we got locked into this sort of everything has to be monthly, everything has to be monthly. And nobody really thought about, well, does that make any sense? especially in a transitional environment where, you know, the average length of stay in a nursing home is 21 to 25 days. So, you know, giving a dispensing in 30 days sometimes doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Now, hospitals, you know, would have a daily card exchange that they would be dispensing on a day-by-day basis. It's not that level either. Um, But to your point, we get locked into these sort of concepts, and um, sometimes it makes sense to take a step back, look at it, and come up with more efficient ways to deliver meds. So I'm sure you're going to tell us the
1: (laughs) origins of this and where it happened. Well, absolutely. And and you're right. You kind of get into that routine. But back, this really all started or originated back with Affordable Care Act or Obamacare, which was in 2010. And Obamacare by no means put in pharmacies have to do short cycle. But they did have a provision That was aimed at increasing or improving the quality of care in nursing homes, specifically around med management and and helping to decrease admissions. And if you remember around 2010, that's really when starting acute rehab wings was was starting to be a thing. Up until the early 2000s, it was truly a long-term stay. Everybody that came in a nursing home was planning on staying there for the remainder. As a rest home. As a rest home for the remainder of their life. That's right. And then nursing homes, due to um, changes in reimbursement and revenue and opportunities and looking for new creative ways to to increase their revenue, started doing rehab units. And and that's now you see an average length of stay at a nursing center is not 30 days. It's less than that. And so short cycle is becoming more and more relevant. But back in 2010, when Affordable Care Act came out, CMS had their, their orders of, of trying to improve quality care and decrease in readmissions. And so they started testing different, different theories and different payment delivery models. And I believe they hired some, some, some groups to do that. But one of the things that they tested uh, through one of these companies was that short cycle w- was an opportunity to decrease cost, a lot of waste. One of the problems with this study, though, is they just took a few states. From what I remember, they just took a few states, and one of them was Georgia. And Georgia is a non-return state. So once that being a card of that medication comes to that nursing center and one pill is removed, you can't send it back to the pharmacy. Once you buy a Val, it's yours to keep. <laughs> it's yours to keep. <laughs> it's yours forever. And so... You see a, a high turn as the turnover because acuity goes up and, and the rehab starts going up, the turnover starts happening more and more for the patients and bigger and bigger waste. But that the problem with that study was a lot of states do allow to return, and you can return that three or four or five days left in that bingo card and get some money back for the pills. And so there were some issues there. And then the second issue after this came out and being debated hotly from 2010 through 2012 was that pharmacies came back and said, wait, 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 you want me to announce send a short cycle, a seven-day supply. So instead of doing this one time a month, you want me to do this four times a month? My costs are going to go crazy. You know, I'm going to have to send a seven-day pills, but I'm going to do that four times a month, and not to mention the waste and consumables and the back and forth. And, and so CMS conceded a little bit at the time. They said, I tell you what, let's just cap it out at 14-day on brand, and then we're going to re, and we're not going to do anything with generics right now, but we're going to relook look at, at all of this. Uh, I don't know if they <laughs> have since then because I haven't really heard much, but that was kind of their end decision at that time.
0: Yeah, it's, I mean, I think it's typical government th- thought process around how can we lower costs. Uh, they always come up with harebrained ideas that may or may not be effective. I remember those days of dealing with. Uh, What potentially was coming with short cycle, the negotiation around, well, let's just do it for brand, because obviously in their mind, that's where all the expense is, is in the brand. Um, And then dealing with things like, well, some products you can't break down into 14 days. Like if it's an inhaler or um, a vial, like you can't break that down. Um, So this is really just for uh, solid oral tablets and capsules. Um, So, you know, it's interesting, but I also think it's interesting, the whole return thing, because um, that always resonates with anybody that doesn't understand long-term care because they're like, well, just send back what you didn't use and we'll reuse it. Um, but that, that for a pharmacy is another touch, another handling. Um, there's a cost to it. It's not just simply return it and we throw it back in a giant bin. And then when we want to use it, we pull it back out of the giant bin. So a lot of, um, effort was put in, I think from a, Uh, a short cycle perspective to see, okay, we're going to get it. How do we make it work on the pharmacy side? And is it an advantage and truly provide benefit?
1: Certainly. Yeah. And I remember when we were facing this decision and we knew what CMS was looking at and that threat, if you will, was real to do things four times a month was not, not a go forward plan. And we thought, man, we, we can't, we can't do that. And so we started looking at technology specifically compliance adherence pouch packaging, uh, multi-dose pouch packaging. And, and so this actually relates right back to ASCP. Fond memory that, that I had is we had purchased the first machine. We had trained up the first nursing home in Georgia that we were going to go ahead and, and, and convert. We were preparing for that we are gonna do short cycle for all the medications. And we were at the annual ASCP meeting over at National Harbor. And this is at 2012. And we sat there watching the election. And it was Mitt Romney versus Barack Obama. And we thought, if Barack wins, Affordable Care Act's going through, we're going to have to do this but if mitt wins man we're not doing this we're pulling the plug we're sending the machine back and we're not we're not hilarious so we sat there and we watched the election like the next morning like okay pilot go live (laughs) we're sending messages down from from dc going i guess we're go um in retrospect i'm so thankful that that's the way it happened because it it truly saved saved my thought process and what is good pharmacy care in my opinion I, I've been able to, we, we converted all hundred of our nursing centers and, and just the success that we had from that was, was pretty, pretty phenomenal. One of my favorite stories is our very first home that we did in North Carolina. And we, you know, we didn't pick the first homes in each state just, just by drawing out a hat. We selectively picked well-ran homes. We got, this is a good administrator, her name was Linda Reese and and great DON and we thought, okay, this is a well-managed home. We know that it's gonna be successful here. And if you think about converting a nursing center from a 30-day bingo card or blister card over to a cycle, seven-day cycle fill pouch, you have to kind of count them down. So at 14 days before the cycle, you're sending the 14 pills and 10 days yep, you're sending the pinnacles. Yep, right? I remember that. So you're slowly <laughs> counting them down. But then you're gonna have to have a night where you flip that med cart and there's two ways to do that. You either bring in new med carts with the with the three inch drawers versus yep. those deep six inch drawers. Uh, or you do a conversion kit where you gut the med cart out and, and all that kind of stuff. Well this is the first one we did in North Carolina I, and, and being a VP I wanted to be highly involved in this initial initiative. So I was the one that brought the med carts in and it's getting them prepared. And of course we brought brand new brand new med carts in. And I remember so I was in the cafeteria Probably around two, three o'clock in the afternoon, preparing for the midnight swap, and again being the first one, this was still very, very new, and I'm just in my own little world, and I'm you know getting med carts ready or whatever, and all of a sudden I hear, "Is that that new pharmacy system?" Man, this is going to be the end of me. I'm just going to retire. <laughs> <laughs> and I look up, and there's this little four foot eleven, probably sixty something year old nurse, that was just sitting there with her hands on her, under you know. And just just shaking her head. And I said, She's a change agent. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know this might be hard to believe, but some nurses might be a little resistant, resistant to change. And so yeah. being in her sixties and getting off her day shift, she was just like, you know, and that's the first thing she said. And I looked up and I said, What's your name? She goes, I ain't telling you my name. <laughs> and I said, Well, my name's Tom. Come over here, let me show you these med carts. And so I was kind of going through and see. Here's how it is. You just have to open that morning pouch and, you know, just all the advantage and everything. The entire time I was talking, she was sitting there. just
0: Arms crossed. Arms
1: crossed. And sh- she never said a word. just shaking her head, shaking her head, you know, and th- for like five minutes. And I said, and I noticed on her tag it was, it was Pat. And I said, well, Miss Pat, I said, come back tomorrow for your shift. I said, I, I, I promise you it's going to be okay. So, anyway, I did the c- cart conversion and everything, and I was gone before the, the morning shift, and my, my team was there. But about a month later – I walked in to the nursing home. I thought, you know, it's been a few weeks. I'm going to check on them and see how they're doing. I walked in, and one of the first people I see working in the hall was Miss Pat. And she remembered me. And she goes, you ain't coming here to take my new pharmacy system away, are you? And I said, no, Miss Pat. I, I thought, you know, she was going to, yeah. you know, be, be all negative. I said, no, Miss Pat. I said, "Why?" She goes, I love it. I love it. She said, I can't believe how easy it is. And I'm passing meds faster than I've ever done. I could never get all my meds past that two-hour window. Man, I'm passing it, and I've got time to spare. She goes, it's one of the best things I've ever dealt with. And I thought, my goodness, this is it. If 60-year-old Miss Pat has been setting her ways for, for decades, yeah. if she can be converted that quick, th- we're doing the right thing. We're doing yeah. the right thing for the nurses. We're doing the right thing for you know, you know know for the home. And so... I love telling that story, and, uh, and and I've had lots and lots of stories like that where there was resistance at first, but, you know, now they they see it and enjoy it.
0: So there's still pharmacies today, I'm sure, that are not doing short-cycle dispensing. You know, it's always an adoption period. There's an investment that pharmacies have to make. Uh, there's probably a size where that makes more sense than, than not. Um, but talk about, you know, where the rubber meets the road. How does this... How is that return on investment, how fast is that, how good is that for the pharmacy? Because I have to believe it's beneficial. I have to believe it's a win for the pharmacy.
1: Now it's a great question. You know, I I like to actually start at the the patient level. Okay. These are compliance adherence pouch packaging, which means it increases compliance and increases adherence. And, you know, being pharmacist, I think our job is not to dispense drugs. I think our job is to help our patients be adherent in any way that we can do that. And this is proven to increase adherence, to increase compliance, especially if they're still self administering. Yeah. You know, you've seen AL, IL patients, if they can stay independent longer, that's the right thing to do. And this increases compliance increases. Sure. So I think that's critical. Obviously for the nursing home, it's a big deal. You're now, having higher compliance, you're having decrease in rehospitalizations. you're having higher QM ratings, you're having higher five-star ratings. Administrator loves it. DON loves it. The, the, it's a self administer or it's a self-managing system, and what I mean by that, another one of my stories is that we were doing day one of a different nursing center, and we were doing day one, it was like 4 o'clock in the afternoon. All of a sudden, nurse comes to me and goes, well, Susie didn't pass her meds this morning. And I go, what do you mean? She goes, here, the 9 a.m. pouch is still here using not pass her Meds. All of a sudden, now the nurses are able to manage the other nurses. Did they or did they not give the meds? Yeah. And that was another thing that resonated with me. So I believe throughout the nursing home, in, in all aspects, from patient, DON, obviously decreasing med pass time, and significantly, from my experience, I've seen close to a 30% reduction in med pass time. No company is gonna gonna state that there's research out there and studies out there that' have shown ten to fifteen percent. my personal experience i've seen thirty percent reduction in med pass time and in a nursing shortage world that's significant yeah and as a pharmacy doing value add trying to help our 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 customers being able to help that nursing shortage and being able to reduce their burden of of passing meds, I think again we we have to do it. it's the right thing to do, but back to your original Question. Well, let
0: me before we, before yep. we go to that the original question. There's a couple things in there I want to unpack. Okay. One, you talked about IL and uh, independent living and assisted living. Um, for sure, when we start thinking about the kinds of services that we apply to nursing homes and applying them to the people that live in the community, uh, compliance and adherence is a major issue, and this is extraordinarily easy and beneficial for individuals that live at home. And even if it's, you know, you talk about the nurses saying, hey, you know, they didn't pass their 9 a.m. meds. You know, we can see that in the nursing home. Well, you as a caregiver could see that at home with your mom or dad or or their home and say, wow, like there's a couple strip pouches, you know, that haven't been, you know, consumed. And if you're a pharmacy taking on an acute patient that lives at home instead of, the nursing home. It's also a method to try to track compliance and adherence. So I think that's uh, an important concept. The other piece I wanted to touch on is we are in a massive staffing struggle Mm -hmm. and there are already um, rumors and proposals out there that maybe the CNAs should be trained as med techs, or maybe we should have a designation of a med tech that helps the nurse because we're having trouble, you know, staffing all of these activities. And the, the fact that we can pouch package the solid oral tablets, and at least make that c- piece of it easier. Could be the differentiator in, hey, we've got med techs that that do the pouch pack administration, and then we have the nurse that comes in and does the insulin, the inhaler, the more sophisticated Absolutely. things, um, and that could be a help from a staffing perspective. So that's, you know, just another Absolutely. touch on that. Um, but let's go to the pharmacy, because I mean, yeah. they're the ones that have to, you know, decide, hey we want to invest in this. We think that this is a win for for not only for all the reasons we talked about for patients and for nursing homes and for nurses, but what about the pharmacy?
1: Yeah, no, certainly. And I had the same fears. I thought, man, we've been doing it this way. We got the the system figured out, if you will. And yet we're going to have to convert pretty, pretty dramatically. We're going to have to make a a, a pretty significant change. We're going to have to add technology if, if this is true, that decreasing waste, decreased cost, then not we're gonna have you know, less revenue. And the exact opposite happened for us. I'll take you through a couple big things. First of all, you're adding a, a machine that is doing a lot of the manual redundant labor of filling medications. If you think about a 30-day bingo card or blister card pharmacy, they can't possibly prepare that card and send it out that same day fast enough which means they have to do a lot of prepacking. Yep. And so you walk into a blister card pharmacy, and they've got rows and rows and rows of cash sitting on their shelf yep. called pre-packs. Yep. So their cash, instead of being in their bank, is sitting on the f- – so, so it certainly helped our cash flow quite a bit. Then the quality. Now I've got a machine that's that's not only filling – The medications but it's also another machine that that verifies that you got the right pills so it's called a vision system and as these vision system what they do is they take a picture at a very high rate of every single pill of every single pouch they identify the size the shape the color even the inscription they'll see if there's a chip out of a tablet or an extra crumb and it's going at such a high rate the quality is significantly higher but you're taking a picture, and, and it's, it's airing out, hey, there's a problem. There's a problem. I don't recognize this drug or whatever it is. You've worked pharmacy counters plenty of times, and, you know, you get almost blind after card, after card, after card, sure. after card gone. You know, after six, seven hours of that, my pharmacist loved it. They loved having that, that technology security that helped their license and protected them. And then we loved the fact that we were taking a picture of every, every pouch. So no more of those, I didn't get those meds. Not only did you get them, but you want to see a picture of them? Right. <laughs> I had the picture of right. the exact pill yeah. that you're saying you didn't get. So those complaints and calls went away. But my labor went way down just in PV2 because it's so more efficient. My PV2 uh, expenses probably went down around 75%, which is pretty big, especially back in a, in a pharmacist shortage role that we were, we, we were in at the time. And we were able to repurpose our pharmacists to do a lot of other more cognitive, cognitive functions, but our quality went up. At the same time. So you can't really beat that. But I think really, really the the best thing, even though labor got better and inventory got better, which is all very important, the best thing was reimbursement got significantly better. And what I mean by that is CMS encouraged, they couldn't mandate, but they encouraged PBMs to incentivize pharmacies to do short cycle. Yep. And the way that ended up happening was in the dispensing fee. So let's take a generic generic med. And if you're going to get reimbursed for generic med, about 90% of that reimbursement is in the dispensing fee. Only about 10% is in the ingredient cost. Yeah. There are all all PBMs, I shouldn't say all, but most PBMs are reimbursing multiple dispensing fees. I'm talking two, three, uh, several are doing four dispensing fees a month. Now think about that. I've just taken that 90% of my revenue, and I multiply it times four times a month or three times a month, we saw our revenue take off. I mean, hundreds of thousands of dollars. We had a large pharmacy, but hundreds of thousands of dollars in additional revenue because we were getting paid multiple dispensing fees a month. The ROI was there a hundred times over, and it was there quickly. And so I see that if pharmacies are kind of worried about is this going to be the right thing for me financially? It's a no-brainer. We paid for the machines. We paid for the technology uh, ten times over. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm
0: I'm thinking back to our, our last Rage Against the Machine when we talked about PBMs and um, Antonio Chacha. The, the one piece of advice he was saying as we head into the end of this year is have cash. Have cash available because you're going to be dealing with this um, – dir shift and this anomaly that's going to happen um in january and this you know we're we're about six months away from that this is the time to make this kind of investment especially from your perspective if it reduces that inventory load and saves your cash um obviously when you buy machines it's an outlay but typically those are financed and you can control your cash so it's interesting um that those concepts have come up in these last two episodes but um I, I just immediately thought of that. In addition to the fact that if somebody's going to pay you four times for something they used to pay you one time for, that's a huge opportunity, and you're not taking advantage of it because you're ultimately you're saving them money. But instead of outlaying, even if it's an, an, uh, a generic drug, instead of sending four times the amount out there and risking that that order is going to change or that med's going to be DC'd, you're only sending you know, seven days out um, or some some short cycle. And I know a lot of pharmacies um, are even more aggressive. Um, now, they may not get five and six dispensing fees a month, but they figured out that sending a three-day supply. Um, there are actually long-term care pharmacies out that do a, a day-over-day day, day exchange for yeah, right. their um, skilled residents. So, I mean, there, there are efficiencies that this technology brings that are uh, monumental in terms of, the business of pharmacy
1: yeah it, it, it it's a no-brainer when you look at the, the ROI I think the main resistance is is due to change pharmacies don't like to change any better than than um, you know the nurses like to change and and so you know I like to say this it, it's a simple decision in my opinion but it's not easy so it's a simple thing to do but it's not an easy thing th- thing to do you you really have to have a culture change inside your pharmacy a little bit and then Depending on the part of the country you're in, it could be you know pretty significant. If you're in Chicago or you're in Georgia, you really can't do long-term care without offering some kind of compliance pouch packaging. But there's other states that have not that have resisted it, and the main pharmacy players there have resisted it. I believe that if that a pharmacy says, "Man, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna go after this. I'm gonna go pioneer this in my state," I think they're gonna be very successful. And from my experience, that's what happened to us. We, st- we started converting our own centers, and then this became popular. All of a sudden, we were adding customers left and right, and every pharmacy had a fall suit. Every pharmacy had to adopt what we were doing because we led the charge, and we pioneered that. And I think if a pharmacy does that in the states that are strictly or almost strictly unit dose blister, I think they can pick up a lot of business very quickly. Yep.
0: And that's, you know, that's, again, that's part of what this podcast is about is trying to make sure we have a healthy industry and a competitive industry because those two things working together, um, raise the, raise the level of the tide for everybody in, in pharmacy, particularly long-term care pharmacy. Um, you know, why would, why would some of those pharmacies be so resistant?
1: Well, you know, I've been doing it this way for 30 years. I'm I'm going to continue doing it. I think, they have compiti- they don't have the competition incentivizing them. There's no no thorn uh in their side to force it to happen, if you will. And we were we were a little more pioneering. It was still new. We had a lot of bugs to work out, and it worked out in our favor. But I when I think about this, I, I kind of use that analogy that that conspiracy theory, whatever you call it, about the the frog in boiling water. You've heard this where, and, and this isn't true, but but if you have boiling water and you put a frog in it, it'll jump right out. But if you have cold water, temper water, and you put a frog in, then you turn the you know it up, it'll just sit there and get accustomed to its surroundings and as the heat rises it won't it won't jump out and then it then then it'll, it dies it'll, it'll die. It boils, yeah. Because it boils. Now, that's not true. When <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> That's I don't know how that myth got start started, but that's how that's the analogy I think of is why do something if I don't have to do it? And through my experience, I, I was in the same boat. I didn't wanna do it. I felt like we had to do it because CMS, but in retrospect, looking back, um, I'm so thankful that that, w- that we did it. And I spent most of my career really encouraging pharmacies and in, in, in helping to get them into the right technology because I think it's the right thing to do for everyone involved, most importantly, the patient, Then then the nurse and the nursing center and then, of course, the pharmacy and the revenue and the labor and all the struggles there. To me, there's, there's no one that's at a disadvantage. I, I think it will end up being more and more common. I would guess around 30% of, 30 35% of long-term care pharmacies do compliance pouch packaging now. Um, or, you know, there's also compliance um, multi-dose blister cards. Yep. And, th- and that's certainly a, a this very similar strategy. Uh, and good technology out there that that successfully does that well. So I'm not I'm not discounting the multi multi dose blister cards. I just have more familiarity with with the pouch personally. But you know I think that uh, there's more and more customers and expectations. And then one last thing is, this is really the future because of long term care at home. Yeah. You're not going to be able to qualify as a long term care at home pharmacy if you don't have some kind of compliance packaging, whether it's multi dose blister our multi dose pouch and that's where 70 million people are going to be at it is going to be at home and you have to do you have to do compliance packaging
0: yeah i mean i, I don't think we in the in the position to say this is how you have to do it but i think when you look at the evolution of pouch packaging there are multiple companies that build machines that pouch package you have custom machines out there that do some version as you mentioned of multi-dose whether it's a pouch or whether it's a a, some sort of card Um, so it's coming and 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 certainly I don't think I think no one would suggest that it's a good idea to send somebody eight ten twelve blister cards to their house as a way to sort of have them manage their medications. I don't think anybody would agree with that. And I think when you look at bigger picture things like Amazon entering the space, you know, that created a lot of fear and certainly makes an impact. Oh my gosh, Amazon's going to be, they entered the space with pouch packaging. Um, and I always thought of them, I don't think of them this way, but I always would think back to, um, the automobile and Henry Ford, you know, gets credit for, you know, the automobile when Mm -hmm. he really didn't invent the automobile. He invented the process to make it accessible to people. Amazon didn't invent the pouch pack. You know, when it it came to market, everybody's like, oh wow, Amazon, look at they have this pouch pack. And I'm like, we've had this pouch pack ever in long-term care. Like this isn't new, but they're making it more broadly available to people. They're exposing it more uh, to the broad community. Again, that doesn't mean they're gonna take over the world, but it does make it easier for that long-term care pharmacy that says, oh, we have a version of the pouch packet, and we can send it to you or your house. And this is how we roll it into our strategy to make sure you're safe with your medications. So I think, to your point, it's coming. Um, it's going to be more ubiquitous. I'm actually surprised that uh, only 25 or 30% of pharmacies in long-term care use pouch packaging. Even if it's not multi-dose, it surprises me because it, it seems such a natural Progression.
1: Yeah, I think some of your more populated states have m- not moved in that direction of multi-dose. New York, California, West Coast, and in in Texas, and I think that's probably where that that that's coming from. But again, you go to Florida, I- it's very common. You go to Georgia. You go to Chicago. You go to. Some parts of the Midwest, you really can't do business there if you don't if you don't have that option. So, well, it is and, very and, and specific. Then, and
0: another thing you brought up, I think, is interesting. I mean, um, you think of innovation, you think of the the little the little guy that comes up with a new way of doing it, and then it kind of catches wildfire. Well, it's not easy to do that with high end high end technology. You have to be able to buy into that. You have to have a bigger business to support that. So. You know, your smaller combo shop pharmacy might not be able to invest in a machine that pouch packages if they're going to enter the long-term care space. So they're going to do some of the older, you know, maybe um, at face value, at low volume, less expensive option. Um, So to to your point, it takes the big entity almost or the mid-size entity in the market to say, I'm going to do this to put pressure on everybody else um, until – that technology does become inexpensive enough where somebody that services 200 nursing home beds can buy a machine and deliver it that way and be the the little one in the area that's like, oh, they got this new thing. I'm entering a market where the bigger, older pharmacies have not been quite as innovative, and now I'm taking business, which then in turn makes those bigger, older pharmacies say, wait we're losing business now because we haven't adopted this, maybe we need to adopt this. So it's yeah. an interesting, it's an interesting market.
1: Yeah, I, I've got some good friends that I respect that know just as much about long-term care pharmacy that I, I know that are colleagues of mine and they that they prefer to do it the way they've been doing it for the last 20, 30 years and, and they're successful at it. So it's not that you can't be successful at it. Again, right. probably 65, 70% of, of pharmacies are still still offering that. But I just know that there's a lot of advantages to it, and um, I think that we can really continue providing higher, higher, and higher quality of service to our patients, to our our customers, our nursing homes, and then to the public at large. Well,
0: this is awesome. Another uh, Rage Against the Machine revenue opportunity this time for pharmacy. So I'm thrilled that our podcast can start sharing some of those really tangible strategies that help the industry get better and be better. So, Tom, thanks for sharing all of that. Absolutely. Glad to do it. Enjoy it. And we'll see everybody next time on Our Experience. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening.